Well, hello. Welcome to True Crime Broads. We appreciate you tuning in. This is Crystal. And Renee. And um, we are here to discuss again the Missy Beavers case. So how has the, um, how has uh, your last few days been going? You know, pretty good. The quarantine, you know, is uh, pretty crazy. I know that none of our times have ever experienced anything like this. It's just really crazy. But I think we're all getting by and kind of realizing the things that we were taking for granted prior to this period of time. How about you guys? Um, absolutely the same. <clears throat> it's been um, very challenging um trying to stay busy I mean I think trying to stay busy there's plenty of things to do but it's like when you're used to working every day and being super busy and then you go to just sitting at home and you know and of course we don't have kids at home so it's you know different it's not like they keep us busy because they're grown and they're gone so it's just a matter of going okay so what can I do that I haven't had time to do in the past (laughs) yeah I hear you totally And, um, you know, I was lucky that I had some business stuff cooking before this happened. And so those deals are closing this week. So I feel lucky in that regard. But honestly, the pipeline is drying up because no one's really, it seems like not that many people are doing any new business, Um, you know, at least not as much. So we'll see how it goes. But I feel blessed that things are going as well as they are. And I'm just going to hope hope things continue to get better. Um, I just really hope that all of our listeners, that there's no one out there affected by the actual virus itself and none of your loved ones are. We'll keep everybody in our thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. I agree with you. I'm I'm glad that you have something working right now and hopefully this month just flies by and we will just learn from it and um, and, uh, things will just be better from here on out. And I really wouldn't mind if my kids and everyone else sort of kept their um, vigilant, you know, the new hygiene. Um, <laughs> everyone's yeah. on a heightened level of hygiene. I, I would love yeah. it if we all stayed that way. That would be ideal. I know. It's been crazy. I, I haven't had any issues with anything that I've needed that I haven't been able to get with the exception of um, hand sanitizer. And so I was able to finally get a couple of bottles of that. Felt like okay. I could win the lottery there for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. I know. I can't find Clorox wipes, and honestly, I never even used Clorox brand wipes hardly ever. It's, you know, Lysol, store brand, anything I haven't been able to find. So that's been my thing that I miss the most. Although I do have a couple that are still have a few left in them, but I'm nearing the end, and I'm starting to worry that I won't be able to find more. But you know what? That's third world problems. Um, I'm certainly getting by with antibacterial cleaners and, you know, towels so we'll make it it seems like the stores are starting to finally kind of have things that they haven't had in a while with the exception of the hand sanitizer like toilet paper and stuff they're actually going to the stores and seeing a little bit not it's not just completely worked out so that's a good thing so maybe it's starting to at least calm down on the hoarding end (laughs) right I hope so we're still having trouble with toilet paper in our area but the bottled water is back there was a time where about a week or two ago, you couldn't find bottled water anywhere. Now, uh, my local store has piles of it, so I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah, and now I think they finally got a lot of it in, and now everybody don't need it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping, um, like you were saying before, I hope people run out of storage space for all their hoarding. I so know, the us, so the rest of us can have a chance, you know. Right, because I haven't hoarded anything, so I'm going to be having to find who those people are. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hopefully, they're not selling it at a you know, triple the rate or something. 
But anyway. Exactly. All right. So what are we covering today? You know, um, we had discussed, I think, that we might go over, um, you know, Tim had made a suggestion that we discuss the gender biases in the media and um, regarding this case. And, you know, we, you and I have experienced that. And I'm, I'm normally not the first person to say I'm being discriminated against because I'm a woman. I've just, that's never really been a big part of my makeup. But, you know, Tim did point out that, and he's right, that when this case comes up, a lot of times people focus on she was having affairs and that that somehow might have led to her demise, which I actually, after all this time, and that's a different topic, but I really don't believe that is going to end up having anything to do with it at all. However, the fact that it comes up so much, you would think, I mean, I think that if when men have affairs, or an affair. We don't even know for sure if Missy had affairs. We've heard things, but, you know, I, I hesitate to, even though one or two was hinted about in a search warrant, I still hesitate to say that we know because we don't know. Only Missy knows. Um, but anyway, I just find it interesting that if when a man has an affair, it's just sort of mentioned sort of almost in passing. But I feel like with Missy, everyone, um, especially on social media, which I hate to even give more attention to, but it just seems like people are saying, well, see, that's why she got in trouble. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there should be more. It just seems like she's held to a different standard than the multiple cases we've seen. Like Chris Watts, for example, that's a recent one. I mean, he was having an affair, but people didn't really it didn't stigmatize him although there was plenty of things that did stigmatize him but I'm just trying to put into words here and I'm not doing a good job but basically when we hear (laughs) okay so basically when we hear about a man having an affair it's just handled differently and I feel like you know poor Missy even you know in the afterlife she's wearing this scarlet letter that she doesn't even deserve I mean we don't even know if she had an affair it's not fair for the media to take off on that report it like it's fact. Um, and you know, I I just think as far as the gender bias goes and, you know, Tim was listening to a particular, um, podcast. It's called Holmes or holes. What was it? Jensen and Holmes. And it's a really good podcast. Okay. Okay. Let's say his name wrong. Okay. I should have reviewed his name before I got on here, but yes. And so he was saying that one of them, I think it was the investigator was saying that Missy had affairs and was leading an alternative lifestyle. And I remember him saying that and it really jumped out at Tim and it's, and Tim was just like, what? I mean, there's no evidence that she was living an alternative lifestyle. That's taking it way too far. Even if she did have some flirtations with the opposite sex or, or maybe did something behind her husband's back, we don't know. But even if that's the case, I would hardly call that an alternative lifestyle. I mean, he was making it sound like she's a swinger or something. I mean, there's just no evidence of that. And and Tim made a really good point. Would they have characterized it that way or even spent that much time or even given it that much thought or attention if it was a man that had an affair? Right. Um, we might have needed to talk about the fact, the way that people um, interpret things and the way people look at things, because that has, you know, they say it 
a lot of, you know, your upbringing, um, the people that influenced you in your life. Um, I don't know, a lot of your education, all kinds of things have a, a, a role in the way you interpret things. And that means anybody, whether it be a female or a male. Um, but we might have needed to name it that because I was under the impression he meant something completely different about what we're talking about. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what I thought and then we can, I guess, figure it out from there. But yeah, please do. I was under the impression that he was talking about, um, has the case been influenced in any way by the fact that it was pretty much predominantly all men that handled the case of Missy and um, how they interpreted the things that went on, which which could actually be sort of what you're talking about. Like, for yeah, instance, I agree. All men, you know, looking at it and they're kind of like, oh, well, she had affairs or whatever. But I guess I was looking at it in a, a different realm, like where they, are they not, they're not thinking like a woman. So maybe they're not, you know, cause, cause they're not women, but they're not thinking right. like a woman would think. So they're not oh. able to, um, what am I trying to say? Cover every facet of this case. So in other words, the men play an important part, but women play an important part as well. And when it comes to something as uh, complex as this case, I think that they should have men and women handling it so they can pretty much cover all their bases, if that makes any sense. Now, there is a woman, invest a female investigator working Missy's case. I can't think of her name right now, but she was the one that re replied to my email remember the infamous email where i asked them to contact the gate analysis company right. and, and they were like um we got it ma'am but anyway <laughs> um that was a female and i think she's the one that came from desoto pd um and anyway i don't know her name right at the moment but yeah maybe but she's I'll, I'll look it up on my old emails um but anyway yeah she's working the case you know i agree though i think early on maybe they sort of went down the wrong road because they're putting too much significance on potentially there being an affair or not. I don't know. Um, we just know, I know, I feel like I say this every single podcast, but we just know so little about this investigation, um, which actually leads me to the next point is um, Tim had noticed, you know, he watched the 48 hours that we watched about the Sandra Garner case. Mm-hmm. And he noticed a woman's name on there who was a journalist that he had spoken to, I don't know, maybe two years ago and about a particular POI in the Missy Beavers case that Tim was researching. And somehow, I don't know if he saw her post on Web Sleuths or what it was, but she reached out to him apparently back then. And so he saw her name as one of the people that was behind the 48 hour show about the other local case that we went over on the last podcast, which was Sandra Garner. And so he decided to reach out to her and he said, Hey, are you still covering the Missy Beavers case? And she wrote back and said, well, MPD refuses to do any on-camera interviews. So it's difficult to do a whole episode when they basically aren't cooperating. She didn't word it that way, but that's basically what it means. They're not cooperating mm -hmm. with, with, you know, the media. So you know, what's that all about? You know, that is, um, and, and honestly, uh, nothing against Claire. Um, I don't know her personally, this journalist we're discussing, and I don't really know her work that well, but I would just think that that's an opportunity when the police say, no, we're not doing any more interviews. I kind of feel like that's when the real journalism starts. That's when you start saying, 
No. I mean, we have questions. The public deserves to know what's going on. There's a homicidal maniac on the loose and people need answers. And so I, I just think it's just real convenient when the government just says, nope, we won't be asking any questions. I mean, that's what our journalists are for is to break mm-hmm. through that. Find out why. If you really can't get them to talk, then go to uh, ex-police officers from Midlothian Police. Ask them what they think is going on. Why do you think MPD's not talking? Right. Um and, you know, go to the district attorney's office, go to the people who are running for DA. They're going to have a new DA here before um, too long. And I think in January. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So I would just I would think that that would be an opportunity for journalists to really do some digging. You, I mean, you know, you've seen this where there's journalists outside of police departments or and and a someone comes out and they just say, Hey, would you like to answer some questions? Are you still refusing to talk to the media? You know, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why is the media, I'm not, I'm not picking this woman out. It's everybody. Why has the media been so, they just give up easily. They've just been so laid back about this case. And I just think there's a lot of opportunity there to, I mean, really and truly, if a journalist wants to make a name for themselves, this would be the case. It's a high profile case. It's fascinating. Even if you don't live in the area and you're not connected to any of the people, you're not connected to Missy in any way. It's still a fascinating case. And I would think that this would be career making for a good journalist. You know, if you put this story in a Truman Capote type writer's hands, I mean, this would make an incredible book. I mean, where is everybody? I'm, I'm just kind of confused. Why aren't people asking questions? Why aren't people holding the police accountable? I know. It's so funny because I actually um, um, asked that very same question about, I don't know, maybe about four months ago. I was like, please don't start with your, your same-o, same-o, you know, news that we've been hearing for the last four years on April 17th or 18th. And I say that because there's always one that, jumps the gun and gets it done the day before the anniversary of her death um, right. and, and the same old stuff actually get some information talk to some people actually do some work because we don't want to hear the same old story that we've been hearing for four years we want to hear what you're actually doing to try to solve this case what you're trying to do to, to get people to talk you know we, we want some answers we don't want to just hear the same story because we've, we've already heard it so many times we could recite it ourselves yeah. And, and I don't want to hear the same old thing. And also, you know, they do, they do um, owe us some kind of answers. Now they don't have to say, here's who we're looking at and right. below their cover and all that stuff. That's not mm-hmm. what we want. We just want to know, do you really have someone in mind or are you still wondering if it's a man or a woman? I mean, there's a lot of space in between those two. Yeah. Um, and we honestly don't know where law enforcement stands on this case at all. And I think that's ridiculous after four years, especially those of you. I'm no longer in the southern suburbs of Dallas, but you guys that are still down there, I mean, you're potentially in a lot of danger. I mean, I don't understand how this is OK to not update the public. Well, you know, the last time I remember hearing them say something about it, I think they they quoted something like this, because uh, we don't even know if it's a man or a woman. Like, half the department thinks it's a man, and half the department thinks it's a woman. And we're like, oh, well, that's exciting. <laughs> that's pretty much half of all the Facebook groups yeah. think it's a man, half think it's a woman. I mean, that doesn't tell us anything. It's like, okay, I mean, well. 
that you could do a you could do a man on the street interview in Ellis County and probably get the same results. That's really nothing. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I and mean, then also, you know, I don't want them to give anything away, but they need to update us. They need to let us know. And it would be really polite of them. I know I said this on the last podcast, but it would be very polite of them to at least tell us, are we still supposed to be searching for the Nissan Altima? Oh, I mean, well, you remember the last time they um, they they updated the their little uh I don't, it wasn't a press conference. What was it that they did? Something. And, and they, they even included, it could be a 2010 to 2012 light colored Nissan Altima or <laughs> remember okay. you added the other car. And I was like, are you kidding? You done added another car in there. And I mean, just taking a quick glance at the car, it was an infinity G something. Um, no, that was not an infinity. I don't know what their game plan was by adding that car in there, but it, it just made us even more frustrated because we're like, oh, so now after three and a half years, you decided to throw this new car in there, you know, that it might possibly be that car and why, you know? Well, and I know, and I know I'm circling back and ranting about past stuff that I've already ranted about, but this seems like a good place to throw it in for those of you who haven't heard our podcast before, if this is your first time to tune in. There was in a December 2016 search warrant um, from Midlothian Police Department that um, was executed on a POI, a person of interest. And one of the um, articles of probable cause that allowed them to execute this warrant was that the person drove the same type of car that was seen leaving the church that morning, leaving the scene of the crime. Um, and it was a small, dark SUV and why MPD kept that from the public is totally beyond me. It was in that search warrant. Um, they knew about it because from what we've heard, there was a passerby and uh, a camp gladiator participant, at least once one of them that also confirmed that. So that sounds like good, solid information that could have helped the public lead to this perpetrator. Maybe even that day. I mean, why did the, to this day, they have never released that to the public about the small dark SUV, but it was so important that it was in the probable cause for the search warrant affidavit. What's up with that? What do you think is going on with that? I mean, just more of their, you know, hush, hush, you know, not wanting to tell the public enough. Be, and, and I think it stems from them not being, you know, 100%, well, I'll say 100% certain. I, I feel like it's because they're not absolutely sure that they have the right person. So they're just, you know what I'm saying? They're just, well, let's just check it out and see and not really see anything because we're not 100% sure that this is who it is um, because they were getting tips from people um, basically just all over, the, all across the board. I mean, it was just, it's this woman, it's this woman, it's this woman. It's True. This woman. So I but I mean, that's why I think they didn't. But aside from any one particular POI, that piece of information about a vehicle scene leaving the scene right after the murder. Um, why is that piece of information about that car not been made public? I don't understand that. They asked us to look for this, the Nissan Altima that was across Caddy Corner across the street two hours before the murder. But they didn't ask us to look for the small dark SUV that was fleeing the scene of the crime right after it occurred. 
that just blows my mind. Maybe they didn't have enough information. Maybe, but still, I mean, a small dark SUV, you know, exiting the church at 430 in the morning and going down 287, I assume. I just would think that that was something the public should know about. And it's just sort of mind boggling because if you take that piece of information, I mean, this sounds like they're fairly certain that that was the perpetrator driving that small dark SUV. I'm sure that when they got there and did the research, they realized nobody else left. You know, there was just people arriving. There was no janitorial staff leaving. Um, you know, it, it, that had to have been the perpetrators. So why did they not tell us that? I mean, I realized they didn't probably didn't have a license plate number. It was raining and no one knew there was a murder. So they didn't know they were supposed to try to chase the person down and get the license plate because you don't know that type of thing until you know about the murder. So mm -hmm. the people that observed that car fleeing the scene did not know a crime had occurred, but they did notice that there was a car leaving the church at an unusual hour. And I'm sure for the Camp Gladiator participants, they were thinking, hmm, that's weird that someone would be leaving. You're supposed to be arriving about now, but whatever, you know, yeah. they probably told themselves it was a janitor or someone that left something at home or someone that changed their minds or someone turning around. I mean, I could see, you know, giving yourself any reason. I would just be sitting there congratulating myself for being there that early in the rain. I wouldn't be worrying too much about people coming and going, honestly, um, until it was time to get out of the car. And that, um, so anyway... You know, I, I'm really baffled about that, um, about keeping really important information from the public that could lead to an arrest, um, you know, potentially. Because if you know someone, like let's say your neighbor was gone all night, you saw him pull in in a small dark SUV and you're thinking, that's weird. I wonder where he was at this hour. And then they might be acting a little strange and you know that they own some cop gear I mean, that could help you lead to the killer. Just that piece, that extra piece of information about the car. You know what I mean? Right. I just kind of, just kind of, buy, I've never seen a case um, where they've done that, that I'm aware of. Um, well, and it probably falls back on the fact that, you know, we've said this a thousand times probably, and we'll probably say it a thousand more, but it probably falls in the category of inexperience because um, you know, you can, you can call it a, a definite blessing that there aren't rarely ever murders in Midlothian, you know, the last yeah. one being what, nine, 10 years ago. And then before right. that a couple years. And then before that, it was another like 10 or 15 years, I don't, 10, 12 years, I guess. So they don't have enough experience. So that part is, is obviously a plus, you know, nobody wants to live in a community where there's murders all the time, like you're in Chicago or something. But at the same time, they need to be able to handle it when they do get them or be able to accept the help that they would be, be able to, to have with the Texas Rangers, the FBI, you know, whoever it is that whatever department that they would be able to get help from to be able to help solve the, the crime and offer them tips and uh, equipment that they don't have and things like that. They, you know, they should have taken it. And from my understanding, they didn't. And that's where all of this goes astray. <laughs> well, yes. And um, the FBI has assisted from what we're understanding. The Texas Rangers were sent away early on by MPD. Um, 
you know, even better, I think, is, you know, that show that you were watching a while back. It was, I think it was like a small town in the Midwest, I think Ohio somewhere. And they got a murder case that looked complicated. And they said, we're going to hand this over to the attorney general's office. If Midlothian police would have done that, this case would belong to the Texas Rangers. And there's a big difference between leading a case and assisting. I promise you, if they were leading this case from the very beginning, I think we would have different results right now. Oh, I do. Um, I absolutely do. I think that, you know, they were overwhelmed. They were um, not prepared. They didn't have um, the right equipment to handle, you know, the crime scene. There were so many things that they weren't able to do. And just like, and I hate to say it, but just like in the uh, case um, in May Pearl of Sandra Garner, um, yes. and that, and that officer was, um, and I say, bless his heart. He, he was, you know, he admitted it. I, I messed up, you know, and it, it, again, it comes from not being able to, it was his first time to ever lead um, a crime scene. He had worked on before, but he had never led one and yeah. he messed up. He, he, there were things he didn't do. I mean, he lost pictures. He didn't take, um, I think he, he didn't bag her hands for the uh, gun residue. I mean, there was, there was mistakes that were made. Yeah. And again, that is because they don't have the experience and it's not talking bad about them. It's not talking down to them. It's just a fact. You don't have, yeah. you know, a, you're not in a town where there's murders every other week that you have, you know, a lot of experience doing and therefore you're going to need the outside help. You know, you're going to, and you're going to Absolutely. Learn. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's so sad that they can't, in my opinion, get past that and try to quit being the hero and actually let's get this case solved let's not care about who solves it but let's get it done right you know because this family deserves justice they deserved and and the community the community deserves justice they deserve to know that this person is behind bars and you don't have to worry about it you know i mean gosh people like you said before there's people that don't even want to take the trash Hey, look, yeah, exactly. There is no shame in not having enough experience to exactly. do a challenging case. They should have just said, hey, we could use, um, we would like to continue to assist, but we would like to hand this over to the attorney general's office. That would have been the right thing to do, in my opinion, because obviously four years later, they're acting like they're no closer than they were. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're on the brink of making an arrest, but I just kind of feel like we're at the four-year mark. I'm just really concerned that that's not the case. And um, I mean, I mean, I'm a residential real estate agent. And if someone came to me and asked me if I could work a commercial deal, I probably could, but it's not my specialty. I would refer that out and take, you know, I would refer it out because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could do it as well. I could handle any residential case, but I don't feel like I could work a commercial case. And I feel like MPD has worked a lot of cases. I'm certain. And they've been very successful over the years, but they haven't done a really complicated murder like this before. And, you know, it's just, it's just not easy. You know, I think there are probably very seasoned detectives on New York PD, Chicago PD that would struggle with this case. You know, and and back to our, uh, what we were talking about in the beginning about the, the, you know, the, the case and, uh, you know, being most of the police officers being male and, and knowing, seeing, you know, there's a female and hearing that she had had affairs and stuff. You know, I just, I feel like they definitely, you know, with the tips that they had coming in, I feel like that they, they seen that and they thought, okay, she was cheating. Um, this is a slam dunk, you know? 
this is, we got, this is, this is simple. This is going to be solved. I mean, and even, I think it was Kevin Johnson that said it. I think it was him that said it. And you might remember, I think it was like one year later, exactly on the anniversary. And they did another um, press conference. And he said, if you would have asked me, um, you know, I forget how he said it, but if you would have asked me last year yes. if we would still be trying to investigate this crime and solve this murder today, I would say you were crazy. They thought they had it. They thought they had the person. They thought, you know, just because, you know, they had been told these different things about Missy, um, that it was going to be solved and they, they had it figured out. And, and I remember was, that he said that more than once. He, he said did. that on another, he said that on a couple of different shows. And I remember, you know, looking back on that, I kind of feel like they didn't even probably real realize they were in over their heads when they decided to take this on. They probably thought we've got this perp on camera for half an hour off and on. Um, we're going to solve this thing. And I think it just, it in their defense, I think that it just uh, was way more complicated than they expected it to be. Yeah. I initially. I agree. And you know, something else, I'm glad you brought that up about Kevin Johnson because he was their um, spokesperson um, even though he was assistant police chief, he also, he also served as the spokesperson. And I remember when he, if you realize when he left, it seems like them talking to the press just sort of stopped. Yeah. And well, because they most, shouldn't have done that. Most of the people that were working the case though are gone. So I can kind of see why, I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I can kind of see in my mind why they'd be like, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I wasn't even here when this happened. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Well, and, um, and you know, when Andy Vaughn came on, I remember, and I'll have to try to look for this again. It just popped in my head, but there was an article um, or something I watched where it said that I had asked Andy Vaughn for his comments. And he said that he wasn't comfortable being on camera, which I totally get that. I'm, I wouldn't be thrilled about being on camera either I just some people just aren't comfortable and um being interviewed on camera and talking on camera and if that's the case with Andy Vaughn that's great that's fine it just seems like they would be able to find someone to replace Kevin Johnson who was more of the the spokesperson for the department I don't really feel like they ever replaced him because they just went quiet after he left and I don't blame anyone for being uncomfortable, not wanting to talk to the public. And if that's not your thing, and if your public speaking is not your thing, that's great. That doesn't mean you're not a good investigator, but they really should try to find someone to slip back into that role. It might be as innocent as that. They may not be, um, you know, wanting to shut down um, public communication at all. It might just simply be that they haven't replaced their guy that was out front and, maybe it's time to do that because you know the public deserves answers regardless of what's behind them not updating us you know yeah it was kevin johnson that said that and it was he said if you told me two years ago that we would be talking mm -hmm. about this case and it's still unresolved i would thought you were crazy that it was two years ago yeah and he said that and he said it yeah he said it in more than one show i remember did, that because i remember we were laughing about oh it's like he like practically said the same exact word yeah yeah it's just like they replaced it with <laughs> one and two. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't, you know, and I, the only thing that we can do, and that was the whole point of our podcast is to keep this case, um, you know, on the forefront so that people can hear about it. And hopefully somebody will, because, you know, once a case is just 
dies down, it becomes cold and people aren't talking about it anymore, then the murderer relaxes. They're like, okay, well, I got away with that, you know? So I'm not mm-hmm. worried about that anymore. Of course, we know that's not the case. We hear about cases all the time where, <laughs> you know, like that one guy, he had gotten away with killing his wife. I don't know. It was like 28 years. And they literally arrested him in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> I mean. When, where was that locally? No, it was in another state. It was a case that I can't, I'm sorry, I, I said it and I can't think of who it was, but it was a man that had killed his wife and, and they they investigated him and did everything, but there was something they missed. And then a, uh, a team of investigators went in and redid all the evidence and everything. And they literally figured out it was him and had the, the ability to prove it. They got a search warrant and they literally arrested him in the Walmart parking lot. So, he, you know, he was surprised because it's been 28 years. He was, but anyway, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, that's the whole point of keeping this case in the limelight so that, so that people, you know, somebody might remember something they might, you know, they might jog their memory. I mean, just keeping it alive is the ability to keep, to get, if you're more able to solve it, if it just, you know, stays in the public's eye and, and they're hearing about it consistently versus just disappearing for, for good. Yeah. Um, you know, we had talked about segueing our gender conversation into whether or not we think that the perpetrator is a man or a woman or what people, what makes people think it's a man or a woman. And, um, you know, one of our friends from the groups um, made an interesting point. You might remember this. I think we talked about it, but he had said that they served a search warrant on a male, mm-hmm. right? The, mm-hmm. per, the person of interest for the December 2016 search warrant that we refer to sometimes, mm-hmm. um, who drives a small dark SUV. That uh, POI, um, we'll call him, he, um, that's a man. And, you know, the person that I, our friend made the comment that they had DNA and they went after a male. So that proves to him that MPD knows that law enforcement knows that it's a male. Now, I thought that was very interesting. And I have a very limited understanding of DNA and an even more limited understanding of what exactly did they get from the crime scene and where did it come from? But what do you think about that? That mis- that mixed and partial DNA that they got, do you think they were able to determine, you know, part of it was Missy's DNA and part of it was the perpetrators and it was a male. Cause that actually did kind of make sense. I just don't know if I have enough information um, to really understand if that's what's happening here. But what do you think about that? That they went after male because the DNA had determined that it was a male. You know, I don't, I've never had, I've never thought of those two as being connected. And I know that's going to sound weird, but you know, I know that they had DNA, but I think that they went after the person or the POI that you're, you're speaking of in the December 2016 uh, search warrant because of tips they received. I don't think it had anything to do with the DNA. Um, I think the partial and uh, mixed uh, sample that they, they were able to get, in my mind and from what I've researched on the internet and looked up, because it is confusing, um, I believe it was not enough of a, a sample that they, they were able to get. And it was mixed, so they could tell that it wasn't from just one person. It was from more than one person. That's what. So, so, so you don't think that they were saying, okay, this is mixed DNA. 
so one of them we can identify as probably as Missy, and then we don't know who the other belongs to, but it appears to be a male. So you don't think anything like that was that specific? No, I do not. Okay. Yeah, because of the fact I, that I had... it wasn't enough, I don't think they're able to tell anything from it. Um, I okay. think that they can tell that that there's because um, and, and the reason I say some of this is because I've actually had a DNA test done before. I've actually had several DNA tests done um, because I was adopted and looked for my family and I found a person that um, I believe was my, my relative, my, my brother. And right. so we, we got a test and it took me a while to get the test a copy of the test, but the test came back with um, 0.000592, whatever, some weird number, uh, percent chance that you're related. So I thought that was kind of strange. So I, I talked to several people about this, people that were experts in the field of DNA and, um, you know, reuniting people with their family members and so forth. And the chances of you coming across a person that you have absolutely no alleles that are the same are, are even smaller than that number. Okay. Okay. So like if you, you tested, the chances of us coming back with zero of anything the same are, are slim to none. I mean, does it mean it's, it's like when you're related to somebody, it's going to show like a 95 or 97 or a 98 or 92, or, you know, it could even be a 90 percentage, but that, that means you're related. You just have different alleles that you got from, different parents or different relatives it's kind of I don't know if I'm going to explain it correctly but anyway so my point of saying that is is um me and him had several of the same alleles but it mm-hmm. wasn't I don't I'm, I'm, I'm I have a hard time explaining it I I'm one of those people that sometimes I understand things but I have a hard time explaining it and I'm not saying that I'm right because I'm absolutely not an expert but that's not the way I understood it. I understood it that it was mixed and they literally couldn't get anything from it because in my opinion, if they could get that it was a man, then they could get enough of something from it to be able to tell something about this person, whether it's... See, that's, that's my question is, can they find out the gender of the person in question in a partial DNA because see, there was two separate issues. It was partial and mixed. mixed yeah. And could they find if they can determine gender, but nothing else or not much else? I was just curious if you I know. Think- I hadn't really. I had not thought of that until our buddy in the groups brought it up, and he seems pretty convinced that that would be enough. Of course, I don't know what he's basing that on, and I don't know enough about it to know if he would even be right or wrong, but. Um, I thought that was really interesting that he's pretty convinced that the DNA um, determined the gender of the perpetrator. And therefore, um, that's why they haven't been going after females. So that's interesting. We'll have to look into that some more and see what we can find out. Well, you know, the reason that I have a a, 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 um, a reason to not know that, that to not think that that is accurate is because we uh-huh. don't know what they got. We have no idea what they got as far as DNA. We don't know how much they got. And right. so it would be hard to, um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just my opinion that I think that they went after the person, the POI, 
from 2016 because of tips that they received and and the other similarities laid out in the search warrant yes yeah so that that's just my understanding and I, and I could definitely be wrong but that's just the way I have understood it and thought you know that it because you know um because apparently DNA coding um it determines I mean they can from what I understand and I need to learn a lot more about DNA before I talk about this again but apparently they can the DNA coding has the genes present for the chromosomes and so they can see if it's the x or the y they can and determine and that's sex the, yeah that's what i was fixing to tell you in that test that i did with with uh, the possible brother you can yeah. tell on there that it shows that he's the male and i'm the female so you can actually tell you know them apart without them even coding them I, you know this one's renee's and this one's his um, right so you can definitely tell from that, but I, like I said, I understood it that if you don't have enough, then you're not going to be able, it's not like, let's see if I can, yeah. let's see if I can explain this correctly. It's not like it, um, when you get an answer, I have such a hard time explaining things, so bear with me, but when you get an answer, it's not like it's sort of an answer. It's either you get an answer or you don't get an answer. So you can't, be like, okay, well, we can tell it's a male, but we can't tell anything else. If you can tell it's a male, you can tell everything about it. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's like, it's like all or nothing. It's not like, okay, well, we almost made it through the DNA to find out that he had dark hair or blonde hair or blue eyes, but we didn't quite make it, but we can tell he's a male. I don't think it works like that. And like I said, somebody can prove me wrong, but to my understanding from what I've you know, researched and, and looked at and seen over the years, it's either we didn't get enough to, to tell anything. There's no answers here because it wasn't enough or it right. was enough and we tested it and we can tell this. Like I said, I don't think it's an, it's a halfway mark. I think it's you either got all the, you got the, enough DNA to tell all of the information you need or you didn't get enough okay. to do anything. But like I so said, what you're, what, so what you're saying is the DNA sample would not be able to determine the sex of the person if it, it, it's either all or nothing kind yeah. of a thing. Now, here's my next question. My here's my next. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know nothing. So I'm going to definitely go with what you're saying. Now, there's something called touch DNA, also known as trace DNA. And that's another forensic method for analyzing DNA from a scene of a crime. And the reason they call it touch DNA is because it only requires very small samples. For example, Maybe just a skin cell left on an object after it's been touched or casually handled or from footprints. So I understand that this perpetrator was covered from head to toe and did a very good job of covering themselves up with that thick gear. In many places, it's very thick, like the jacket area um, and a helmet, everything. So what I would just love to know, what DNA did they find Um you know, I guess it's possible the perpetrator's hair could have come out from underneath the, um, absolutely could have come out from underneath the helmet during a struggle, or maybe the skin was, you know, touched um, on the perpetrator that maybe a sleeve went up or something of that nature um, in the struggle. So I guess my question and the reason I bring up trace DNA or touch DNA is if it only requires an extremely small sample microscopic sample why on earth wouldn't that work in this case why did it I'm just I mean I don't know it just sounds like 
they had they didn't even have enough to do touch DNA is what it sounds like. Yeah, and I have understood touch DNA to be more of like like a piece of skin versus saliva or semen or blood. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's the difference. But again, please don't think that I'm acting as a prof- you know like I know all of that because I don't. I only know just little bits of of it and understand it, and I could be understanding it wrong. But that's what I understood is that if it's like a touch DNA is like a, you know, a microscopic piece of skin, they can tell something different from that than they can from a, you know, little tiny bit of saliva or a little tiny speck of blood or, you know, a little bit of semen or something like that. I'm not uh, 100% sure on that. So if anybody knows, please let us know. Yeah. And, and I still want to get some clarification on whether or not a small sample can tell the gender, because right here I found something and I'm just Googling here, people, this is nothing technical, but I did find an article that says sex underneath it. It says the simplest thing DNA can tell you is whether someone is a male or a female, Mm -hmm. apart from some very rare cases that doesn't even involve it looking at their DNA sequence. All you need to know is whether they have the X and the Y chromosomes making them male or a pair of X chromosomes, which makes them female. And it says, um, you know, that's just very interesting. It almost makes it sound like they don't have to have a look at their DNA sequence, which I don't scientifically know exactly how to describe that. But it sounds like, it says here the simplest thing DNA can tell you is whether someone is male or female, apart from some very rare cases that doesn't even involve looking at their DNA sequence. Okay, so maybe our friend was right in the groups. That's something I want to look into further. And if I was smart, I would have asked him directly. I'll do that and see if he has any information on that. Because if that DNA did by chance determine the gender, but nothing else about the person, that or not enough about the person that would be very interesting. And do you remember the date around the date that they um, talked about the DNA sample? Well, they didn't even, they didn't even mention the DNA to the public until January or February of 2018. I think it was January. It was that Midlothian light. I think it was article. Remember that? Because it took a while. I can imagine because DNA testing does take a while. So that's probably Mm -hmm. why. But um, they said that they said, I, I really don't, I really think that they had the information though, long before they released it. Cause they just released it. Remember it was almost like a throwaway line. They just sort of mentioned it toward the bottom of an article about something else. The article was actually about the fresh set of eyes. Remember that, mm-hmm. that Andy Vaughn was going to bring in new investigators and they were going to really, you know, start all over fresh with the case. And then toward the bottom of the article, they're like, oh, by the way, we had some DNA, but it wasn't enough. It was partial and it was mixed and it wasn't enough. Well, you know, that actually, remember we talked about that's actually big news. That should have been a headline somewhere um, or at least given more attention than it was just, you know, being an aside in a local paper. I would have thought that would be at least the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, you know, kind of news. (laughs) It just seemed buried in that local paper in Waxahachie. But Anyway, I, um, yeah, I need to learn more. I don't really know anything about DNA other than what tiny little bit of information I've shared here, so which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, something else we have to look forward to, and I know we said this before, was one of these days, it happens over the years, and I hope it'll continue to happen, 
is DNA technology does improve. Right. All right. We're going to be back in just a few moments. Uh, we have to answer some questions that a listener sent in to us. So we'll be back in just a moment. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. All right, Renee, you back? Awesome. Um, okay. One of the things we forgot to talk about was the um, the uh, perpetrator. Is it a male or a female? Oh yeah, and what things make us think? That, um, what makes some people think it's a female, and what makes some people think it's a male? And there's a whole lot of people that don't know either way. Um, so yeah, what did you want to go ahead and start, or I can start? It's up to you. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, so um, a couple of different things have been uh, we have we have read pretty much everything you can imagine about people's thoughts on whether the perpetrator is a male or a female. Um, me personally, I can say I went back and forth on this whole uh, video that you see the surveillance video that they have on uh, you can find it on YouTube it's under Midlothian Texas Police Department um, because they had they they first um, they first published a, a video of about I don't know 25 seconds or so and then they added another one of like another 20 seconds or 30 40 seconds whatever and then the very end they did the complete one that they put together of two minutes and 26 seconds I think it is anyway so there's um, a couple different ones, but you can go on there and find it, and it's it's uh, going to be under Midlothian Police Department's YouTube. Anyway, so in the beginning, um, it starts out with the perpetrator is walking down the hall, and um, they're kind of kind of at the back of the screen, and there to me it kind of looks like a male the way they're walking, and then they start coming. Now, then they're showing you the same walk, but on the other angle. And they're coming towards you. And they go in a room, they come out, and they go to this wall. And they, I say they come to this wall, they go to this door. And they're like, oh, it's locked. Well, let me try to get in here. So they start trying to break in the, in the door. And there, their stance to me looks female. And they start ever so gently, and I say this every time, ever so gently tapping on the crowbar, whatever it is that they're using, trying to get into this room. And then they, then the, the um, video jumps and they're at the stance. Two different times are at a different stance. And that looks completely female to me. Mm-hmm. Then they walk across the room. Again, complete female to me. The walk to me looks female. And I see hips. And um, I see the shoulders don't look broad enough to me. There's, there's this many things. And these are some of the th- same things that we've read, um, you know, through this whole four years of people trying to figure out whether it's a man or a woman. <laughs> and then, of course, there's some people that say, 
Um, it couldn't have been a woman because women don't kill like that. Um, the feet, you know, look, of course, the height, that's a big one. The height is 5'2 to 5'8 and plus or minus 1.43 inches. Is that right? Something like that? No, the latest one, I think they eliminated the 5'2 stuff. I think they're saying, I can't remember now. I, wish, I should have reviewed it, but the top end was approaching 5'10. I think it was um, um, like the top end, I think, was five nine and three quarters, and um, the I don't remember the new bottom end. I need to look at that again. There's been so many height ranges, but I know it um, has changed so many times. Yeah, they finally backed off of that five two to five seven, which was the one they used for the longest time with that five inch spread. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so there's several different reasons uh, why I see, you know, and like I said, there's times in the video where I see a man, but in the majority of it, I see a female. So, um, and like I said, you, you, you hear all different kinds of reasons, you know, you hear people, that is definitely a woman. That's definitely a man. That's definitely a man. That's definitely a woman. So it's kind of, you know, kind of the same thing the police was saying across the board. What about you? You know, I, uh, I, when I very, you know, I haven't really focused on male versus female as much as I did the people I thought did it, you know, more. And so then when I thought that there was a certain female, you know, early on, I thought, it, oh, maybe it could be that person. And then I started kind of, there's actually a couple of them. And I would look at the video and say, well, you know, I could see it being them. But then as um, evidence came out later and, or, you know, as we did more research, then I started thinking, oh, that's, that's him you know so I almost it's almost like I'm seeing the gender that I'm thinking of based on the information I'm looking at more than just the gender itself but when I look at the video I mean it walks like a man to me I understand there is a part where the perpetrator stands in front of um that door when he's pull when he or she is pulling the um tools out of the vest you know what I'm talking about Right, right. Stand there. Um, it is an unusual stance. Um, that is really and truly to me the only time that the perpetrator looks female. But I do know, I mean, I know a lot of men who have some effeminate mannerisms occasionally, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of females, myself included, that will occasionally have some male mannerisms. Um, whether it be the way you walk or occasionally stand or, you know, we all are kind of, no one's a hundred percent, regardless of your sexual orientation. I'm not talking about that. I just mean, um, sometimes, you know, genders will cross over. Um, you know, I know that sometimes I do sort of male things, but I'm primarily feminine and, you know, and my husband's primarily uh, masculine, but he'll do some feminine things sometimes. And, you know, and we had talked about how softly a lot of people I've noticed in the discussion groups will say, well, that's not a man handling that hammer because a man would, you know, really know how to whack a hammer. And, you know, the part of the video I'm talking about. Yes. The very end. Yeah. And and yeah, I really, my husband said that he thinks that the perpetrator was trying not to get the glass he was just trying to do enough damage to you know make a mark there to crack the glass but didn't want it to blow back on him um perhaps had had some experience with it breaking in and thought I don't want to do that again 
Um, Are you talking about the very end? Um, yes, I'm talking about I the part have... where he come, where he's coming out of room ten, and then all of a sudden, there's that little kind of. People have said it looks like a lady doing it, just really, just sort yeah. of bare, like a lazy yeah, kind of. The way his arm over and kind of pops the glass, but I will tell you, at the very end of it. Uh, and that's why I wanted to ask you where you were talking about. Um, to me, it looks like after he breaks the glass, he puts his arm through the through the the window area that he broke out. Oh yeah, that's so possible. I, so yeah, I can't really tell that. That's that's true. They might have done that. He starts walking closer to the door once he gets it broken, uh-huh. or she gets it broken. They 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 go closer to the door, and then it looks like they're putting their arm in, and then that's when they stop the video. So you can't really tell, but that's what it looks like to me. So I don't know, but yeah, yeah, um, who knows? But um, I also tend to think it's someone who used to be a cop, has tactical experience, has worn that type of gear before. They look very comfortable in that gear, um, and then my head is full of information that. I have a bias toward who I think did it, which makes the person look male to me. Um, and then also, um, you know, and I like that guy. His name was John Bueller. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. If it's pronounced like Ferris Bueller, it's spelled slightly differently. But his name was John Bueller. And he was in that HLN show that we actually did a podcast episode about. And um, he was a retired investigator. And I've seen him on other shows. He's kind of like one of these talking heads that is on a lot of these shows and his impression was from his experience that it was a male. Um, one of the things he cited is uh, reason why he thought that is due to the extreme. And can't be violent. Of course, there's always the exceptions, but just across the board more often than not, these cases of extreme violence usually come from a male. And um, I just, I take that into account. And also, um, it is the sort of the effective quick delivery of um of the violence um kind of makes me think that it's a guy yeah sorry i'm texting you and i think i think that people um and i don't mean you i mean you know across the board anyone who says that a woman is not um able to kill someone with that much um, force or, or uh, anger or whatever is definitely under, underestimating a woman. Oh no, trust <laughs> me. You're right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm just looking at it from how efficient it was. I don't think that uh, for the most part, okay. There's always that asterisk next to everything. Um, it's right. not, nothing is absolute, but just, statistically speaking i just don't think that women can get that hot that emotional that angry that violent and then just leave and everything be okay i feel like just this person went from zero to 90 when missy got there because that person's just cruising around the church looking cool as a cucumber and then bam extreme violence and then leaving and really just emotionless. And of course, women can also be psychopaths, of course, and not saying they can't, but I'm just saying that this perpetrator seemed to just sort of blend back into life and his loved ones or his or her loved ones, um, people at work, nobody's really suspicious of this person because no one's turned him in. 
So I just kind of feel like for me, it, that's more male, just the sort of like that Ted Bundy kind of a thing, or, you know, all the serial killers basically were able to just be like, Oh, can you help me get this stuff into my car? And then bam, violent. And then go right back to what they're doing before after brutally killing someone and no one knows that anything, you know, better. Whereas women are more likely to be detected after something like that. And um, just less likely to be capable of that, even though some certainly are. Um, I don't know. I just, I just take all of that information and the way the perpetrator is walking. It looks very male to me, especially when they're going like across the camera and then going toward that Dutch door, you know, the, um, the Dutch door is the one that has the top and the bottom that opens separately. A lot of churches have those to keep the toddlers from running out when the parents come to pick them up. And, um, you know, when he or she opens that top part of the Dutch door and looks surprised, um, I just feel like that all looked very male. Um, the, the way that person moves and that little limp and the feet turned out, it looks masculine to me. Um, I don't think that person is anywhere near five, two. I don't understand. And I know I ranted about this on prior podcasts and no telling how many times you and I've talked about it, but I don't think that the person was ever anywhere near five, two. And I don't know why they gave us such a wide range unless they just didn't want the public to know who they were looking at or they didn't want the perpetrator to know they were being looked at. But, um, I see a man when I look at that, with the only one exception is that sort of way that they stood kind of on one hip, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know how to describe that type of a stance, but it it does look feminine. Yeah. It's where they kind of like, they're standing there and in their one leg, their knee is kind of bent, kind of like a, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a, with their hips kind of pushed out yeah. and their knees kind of bent, you know, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, that's, that's, I agree with you on that one. And I, I, and I think that's why we have even seen, there's been some people speculate that there was more than one person at the church. And I think that's why, because there's times when you see, you know, a female stance or a female walk or a female, um, you know, shape of the body. And there's times when you see, you know, male, I, I predominantly see a female um, in, in those things for the most part throughout the, the whole video. And, you know, of course we know you see a, a male and, and that's why we, you know, like I said, we see people saying, well, I think there's two people there. Yeah. Interesting. I, I really feel like um, MPD would, tell us that there was more than one perpetrator um but who knows i mean like they've told us everything else. yeah exactly <laughs> but you know it just seems really unlikely that there's two people simply because they haven't been caught yet if there's more than one person involved in something of this magnitude then the likelihood of getting caught goes up exponentially with each person that gets added so mm-hmm. i mean it would it would be way more likely that there would have been arrest by now if there was two people that you had to trust to keep their mouth shut and not make any mistakes. So I tend to believe in PD on that one, that there was just one, but who knows? Yeah. Um, and we always say, hopefully we'll find out someday, but for now it looks like we're still in the dark. Um, after four years of this, that's incredible. I mean, that's like a college experience. That's, you can put your child through high school. I mean, four years is a long 
time. It really is. I mean, you know, I feel like if they would, um, you know, get let some outsiders come in and there's plenty, I mean, I've said this before, plenty of organizations that are made up of very experienced uh, retired investigators that literally donate their time to go through and completely start over and work on a case, you know, and I feel like, I feel like they were, they felt like they knew who it was. And I feel like that's where they failed. I really do. I think that you have to explore all your options, no matter what, because that's where most investigators make mistakes, just like this, you know, this officer, unfortunately, um, that handled that case in May, May Pearl, you know, I feel like, um, you know, along with an experience, I feel like they thought they had it in the bag, like she's guilty and, you know, we're just going to do what we normally do or, or what we have learned to do, whatever it is. And, you know, it's as a slam dunk and that's not the way it was at all. Right. As we see. And maybe, so, and maybe the Ellis County DA's office learned a big lesson from that. And they are being more cautious with this case because it's not so. as simple. And um, yeah. I think, I think it's also possible that they know exactly who did it and, they don't think it's anyone else simply because the evidence all points to one person, but it's circumstantial. And this is a capital, this will be a capital murder trial and a very high profile one. I think they know they're going to have to have a lot of evidence. It can't just be, oh, the person drives a similar car and, um, you know, or whatever, you know, I think it's going to have to be, unfortunately, it looks like they didn't get the right DNA, but the right DNA sample. But I really think that whatever they, I think it's very possible they know who did it, but they don't have the right kind of evidence, you know, cause there's that legal, you know, it has to rise to the level, the legal definition of evidence. And it also has to not just be all circumstantial. They may have a huge pile of circumstantial evidence, but nothing that would really convince a jury to convict. And that's what they have to have. Um, they can't. You know what's crazy is I agree with you on the capital murder, obviously, because it falls absolutely in that category. But in every, almost every document we see from the police, they have marked out capital. And I have not been able to figure that out. Of course, I would have to actually ask them, like, why did you mark out capital? I'm just curious why. I, I remember I, rem I remember us seeing that on a document. Which one was that? Do you remember? It's not just one. It's several. Okay, interesting. Uh, I don't know why see. they did that if they don't want the public. Was it? You mean it was redacted? The yeah, the evidentiary search warrant on, let me see, the, the iPhone, the iPad, they marked out capital. The one for, I believe, the Facebook search warrant, they marked out capital. The AT&T target numbers. Mm -hmm. Let me see if they marked out capital on that one. I don't know that. It, no, it just says murder. There's no capital. They didn't even put it in that one. They didn't even, you know, they didn't. Yeah, it I, I, I don't know why it. they would mark that out unless they don't want people knowing that yet. But it's kind of funny if you redact that. You, it's almost you almost know exactly what's written there. Why you know, you worried about marking it out when that is absolutely the law. I mean, look up the penal code. You're going to see that that is without a shadow of a doubt, capital murder. I mean, they, they're, they're, you know, they committed murder. Um, they pre-planned it obviously. And because they're sitting, sitting and waiting and they're, they committed another crime on top of it. That is capital murder without a shadow of a doubt. So I don't know. That's crazy. I don't understand it. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Oh, wow. Absolutely crazy. Um, 
but you right. know, well, this is kind of funny to think that they would mark out capital when we could all figure out that's what the word would be, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't mark it out where you couldn't tell what it was. They marked it out like they changed their mind. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like they, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. Cause I can tell it says capital. It just, they marked it out. So I'm just, hmm. I didn't never understood that. And I've often wondered, and I've ran it a few, you know, ran it across a few people and nobody seemed to have any ideas. Cause I thought, well, maybe there's something I'm missing, you know? Yeah. It's just yet another part of this that we can't really make a lot of sense out of. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine, you know, you haven't even gotten into, you don't even know who did it. You can't decide you're not going to charge them with capital murder. <laughs> yeah. That's not even making any sense. Yeah, it really doesn't. And maybe they were afraid that that would give away some part of the investigation, but I don't see how. Yeah, that, um, I don't know how. I mean, you'd have to be, I don't want to sound rude, but you'd have to basically not understand criminal justice to not charge them with capital murder. I mean, <laughs> or not yeah. be able to read one of the two. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I really don't understand why they did it either. So I guess that's just another one of the mysteries. Add that to the list. <laughs> no, no kidding. But um, for sure. Yeah. And I wish that we knew more. So hopefully um, we can find out more about DNA. I think that was something interesting that came out of today's podcast is I would like to learn more about the DNA part and can they tell the gender easily without knowing anything else about the DNA or as a partial DNA means they can't tell the gender. Now, speaking of that, you know, I do remember um, seeing an episode of some um tv show where they were uh investigating a case that actually happened it was true and um i remember them saying that we have dna and we can tell that they have such and such eyes or something i can't remember now so i wonder that's wild you know i wonder that because that's you know and 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 i guess in a more in a better dna sample you know you hear about people reconstructing what the person looks like based on the dna isn't that crazy yeah, that's pretty wild. So we need to learn more about that because I'm just kind of curious. Is it is our friend in the group who who said they now he doesn't think that the perp that they the POI, I should say, he doesn't think that the POI that they um, went after in that search warrant in December 2016 is the one. But he thinks it's a male. But he was using that fact that they went after a male to prove his point that it's a male because the DNA sample said it was a male. But I'm not sure that I'm ready to connect all those dots. I would like to know more. And then yeah. also, I think, um, oh, don't we have questions and answers? Yeah, I was just waiting on you to get done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just babbling. <laughs> but yeah, we have a really, really nice lady who listens to our podcast. And she visits with us on Instagram and on our Facebook group. And she sent us an email with some questions in it. So um, you've got a copy of that, right, Renee? Yes. And I want to. we want to apologize because we actually answer these questions about I think it was one or two podcasts ago, but we had, for whatever reason, both of us had really bad um, connection issues. And both of us, um, whenever I was listening to the podcast before publishing it, I would be talking and she would be talking and neither one of us knew the other was talking. So we were literally, it was, it was just really bad. So we decided to just scrap it and start over. And that's where those questions were. So we decided to just redo it on this podcast, which I think we've had a, a few tiny little problems because we can kind of tell um, it's cut in and out a few times, but I don't think it's anything like before. So that's why we're redoing this and it's taken us so long. So we apologize for that. Um, but anyway, she writes to us and she says, Hi, hello, ladies. I'm from Houston. 
I have listened to every podcast that you have done, and I've enjoyed each and every one of them. I hate to say I'm enjoying them due to the subject matter. Um, I have a couple of observations, questions, and requests for both of you ladies. Number one, has Brandon ever remarried? I have heard yes and no. To answer that question, yes, Brandon has remarried. Um, the reason that we know this information is because someone, and I don't remember who, um, and it's been uh, a while back, someone researched that and posted it in one of the groups. I mean, I, neither one of us knew, were, nor were we even looking. And so when I seen it, I'm one of those people, and I know you are too, Crystal. We, I researched it to verify it, and it was true. So yes, he has remarried, and it has been uh, verified. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. And, um, and I believe he married a little bit past the three year mark after Missy's murder. I want to say it was like three years and four months, not quite a year and a half after, um, her murder. And to me, that's just unremarkable. It doesn't even make me bat an eyelash. I mean, most men, um, statistically get married very quickly after a divorce or, a, um, or being left a widower. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically just because they don't want to be alone anymore and I think that almost three and a half years is certainly a long enough period of time I don't that doesn't raise any eyebrows to me at all right I mean yes. you know and especially with him marrying somebody that he's known for a long time I think that that you know they've known each other for a while and so you know they probably uh, just you know felt comfortable with each other and decided you know hey let's just get married so yeah so yeah he's definitely married so, okay, so the second question is, why have we never heard from Missy's family, mom, dad, et cetera? Um, my opinion on that is, you know, obviously we don't know her mom. Now, her dad is, is deceased. He died, I want to say, a year and something before her. Yeah. Because um, I remember us researching and seeing some posts where, you know, she had talked about, you know, his death. And so that's why we don't hear from him. But her, her mom, we, obviously we don't know. But I just take it that she's just one of those people. Cause you know, some people handle things differently. Now, if if something were to happen to a family member of mine, I would be one of those people that would be shouting from the rooftops. I want some answers. I want to know. You got to check this. You got to check that. That's just my personality, okay? That's just the kind of person I am. I'm a go-getter. I'm one of those people that don't give up. I don't stop until I get the answers I want. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I just... I'm one of those people, but everybody's not like that. And it doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them a better person. It just, it's just personalities. And that's just what I think of as far as her mom. She just seems to be quiet and to herself and grieving. And she just chooses not to, you know, say anything or get in the front of a camera or whatever. So that's just, I feel, that's just what I feel like. I don't know her and I don't know this for a fact. I've never heard from her. I've never talked to her, but I'm just kind of getting that vibe. What about you, Crystal? Oh yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think that, uh, and also we don't know, um, Missy's mother could, and she, from what I understand, still lives in the Jacksboro area. Missy is from Jacksboro. She's not, um, she was not originally from Ellis County and she has a mother and two brothers and her, of course, her dad's been deceased. I think he died a year or two before she was um, murdered. And, um, you know, I just think that we don't know. She could be talking to law enforcement every week. As far as we know, she just hasn't been public. She has not been in the media. 
Um, I don't know if the media has tried to track her down in Jacksboro, Texas, or if she has just simply um, declined their interviews or have they not attempted to go out there to talk to her. I don't know. But I would be the same way. I would not be on TV if a family member of mine was tragically murdered. I know that if I was murdered, my parents would not have been in the media talking about it. It's just it's just the difference in style. I would want to grieve alone. I would certainly um, be interested in the case and be following it and wanting to learn more and being spending time with family. Um, but I would not um, I wouldn't have any need to be public about it. I, I've seen how that can backfire on people. Um, like poor Brandon, every time he's in the media, everyone shouts that he did it. And that time that his dad spoke to the media, everyone said that he did it. You know, I understand. I wouldn't, I couldn't stand to be under that scrutiny at the same time that I was grieving a shocking death of someone close to me. I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't have the stamina for that. So God bless those people who do put up with that. But I would be the Mm -hmm. same way. I would be silent. So the only reason I'm talking about myself is just because I can project myself into Missy's mother and her two brothers positions and I would be just as quiet as they're being and I don't I know a lot of people think that that maybe there's something going on there but I don't think it's that at all I think they're just upset and they're obviously don't want attention and they don't want to be in the public eye and it's just a difference in styles Brandon's family has was a little bit outspoken toward the beginning of course we haven't heard from them in a long time with the exception of that headline news program last summer but Anyway, I took a long way to uh, to agree with you. I think that um, I think that Missy's her side of the family is just choosing not to speak because they just don't want to be in the public eye. Yeah, I understand. You know, and and I want to uh, touch on that a bit. Um, there was a case that um, I researched. Um, since we have so much time on our hands right now with the coronavirus and being quarantined right. and at home, shelter in place, um, I have lots more time to to research other things when I you know try to find something to do. So I was researching this case um, that um, I think it was my daughter brought it to my attention. Anyway, it's the case of Molly Miller and Colt Haynes. And I won't get into the case, obviously, but or maybe we will at a different time. But um, so everywhere you look, it's Molly Miller, Molly Miller, Molly Miller, Molly Miller. You never see anything about Colt Haynes. And he's missing just like she's missing. So her family are the ones that are, you know, speaking out. And it's actually the aunt, the one that, you know, maybe the mother's not able to do it. And and who knows? I mean, I can imagine that that would be extremely hard to do. So the aunt, you know, she's able to, to uh, push forward and insist on, we got to get some answers because the cops are just kind of like, we don't know, you know, we don't know what happened. So like I said, you constantly see in the media and on, you know, Facebook groups and, you know, news uh, conferences and um, articles that have been published in the newspaper and and whatever. It's all about Molly Miller. And so I kind of looked at that and I thought, you know, it's really sad because it wasn't just Molly Miller. It was Molly Miller and Colt Haynes that have been missing and pretty much everybody believes that they're dead. They just don't know where they are, where they've been buried or where they've been put or what's happened to them. And it's really sad because you don't see anything about him. And I mean, on one hand it's sad, but on the other, maybe that's just the way his family is. They don't have the ability to, to, to push anything. They, they have to just, I guess, maybe move forward or something. I don't know, but it just kind of gives you an example of, of two different families the same thing has happened to both of them because the two were together when they ended up missing and have been gone for, I can't remember now. Uh, I think it was 2013. Right. So 
seven or eight years now. So two different families have handled it two different ways. And I'm sure his family loves and misses him just as much as the other family, but one family handles right. it Right. And you see that also a good example of that, like on Facebook, social media in general, you know, you'll see people who, you know, somebody in their family stubs their toe and they're on Facebook going, please pray for so-and-so, you know, they've got a massive headache or whatever. But then like, and you know, the mm-hmm. other example would be like the way I handle social media. My dad went in the hospital. He went, you know, into ICU. He came home on hospice and he passed away. And I didn't post anything until after he passed away. I'm not saying the way I did it's better um, or the way other people do it is better. It's just a different style. It's a choice of privacy. And, you know, I know that my parents wouldn't mm-hmm. want me putting their personal information on there. And I just, um, I, I'm the type of person I'd rather grieve alone. I don't want to put things out there. And I just kind of, I kind of feel connected to Missy's family in that way. I, I can relate to that. Um, yeah. I totally but, um, I anyway. Um, so, uh, so what were we going to, Oh, we have another question. That's right. What, what number was that? Was that number yeah. two? Yeah, that was, number, that was okay. number two. Yeah. This is number three. Have you guys ever approached anyone at MPD and asked for an interview or statement? It might be a long shot, but she basically says she follows the case and um, some people that have researched it and really spent a lot of time on the cases actually talked to law enforcement there locally. And so, um, I mean, I'm going to give my perspective on it. Um, I have, we have not approached MPD. Uh, We have not asked for an interview or a statement. I don't think that they're going to even give us the time of day. I don't know any other way to say that they're going to go and you are well and who, you know, we're, we're just two people that have talked about a case and shared lots and lots of information and ideas and thoughts and everything you can imagine. And, you know, I, that's just yeah. my opinion. I mean, I know we're the public and I think public does deserve answers, but I don't think they're going to go, Oh, well, let me just tell you what we yes. think. They're not, I, that's well, just the way I feel. So I'm not even, I gonna agree with time. You. and two, there's two separate things I see here. Number one is MPD's made it clear. And I mean, Kevin Johnson told us in early press conferences and interviews that we're not, or press releases and interviews, we're not going to tell you everything. I mean, he's straight, he's straight up told us that several times. So I'm, you know, and then, so I don't really think I'll be able to pick up the phone and get a lot further than anyone else would by talking to them. And then on the other aspect of that is unfortunately some lunatics from the social media groups have contacted MPD and sometimes they've even pestered them. And I heard that there was some other, some people have actually called their families and stuff. I mean, that is just weird. And it makes the whole public following this case look bad. And it would make them be suspicious of anybody that would pop in and ask a question or make a suggestion. So I kind of don't blame MPD because for some weird reason, the Facebook groups brings out the crazies and um they've unfortunately been faced with those people very close up I mean you know like contacting them frequently and they don't have time for that and I can understand why they would be seeing us all through that same lens after being harassed by those people so I think that the people we've talked about in the groups that have just acted a little crazy that's kind of ruined it for all of us because I would think you know I really think that if we were to call and try to ask questions, I'm not sure we would get anywhere anyway, but if we even had a prayer of getting anywhere, I think it was ruined by that type of activity early on. Um, right. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's it was unfortunate because they, I think that a few of the conversations they had, they were they were actually pol- very polite, and I think they handled it way better than I would have. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, in, when I when I answer these questions and say absolutely not, please don't be offended. I'm just you know giving you my true answer. But I mean, it's a great question. And oh, I wish I would, we could. I, would I really do. If I could. had any kind of media credentials, I would do it. But I think that as an amateur oh, podcaster. Yeah concerned citizen I don't think I'll get anywhere but if I had any kind of you know actual media credentials I would be all over MPD so I've heard stories about uh, police departments that have uh, volunteers that go in and and work and do things to help you know with cases and it it might just be you know verifying things for them or who knows what and I don't think that that uh, MPD has that because if they do we would be right there front and center hey we'll help you yeah exactly <laughs> you know because I mean, we truly do want to help with the case i mean whatever help that may be but we don't think that that they would even you know they would even know that one time i emailed them they got rid of me really fast we talked about it in a previous um podcast and the couple there's a handful of normal people that we know that have contacted mpd and they have not gotten anywhere I mean, they're just, they're just not talking to the public. And, and I mean, I understand that right. we are part of the public. So they've already announced we're not telling the public anything. So if we call and ask questions, it's like, nope, we already told you, we're not gonna tell you anything. So. Yeah. So don't even try. All right. So that was uh, question number three. This is number four. I have heard that Missy was afraid of a certain local person. Do you have any firsthand knowledge of that? And they don't mention any names. They just ask. Um, yes, I have heard, um, several people, I, I, we've heard so many rumors, first of all, that if we had one of those dry erase boards and I'm talking mm-hmm. the size of a garage door, it would be spilled from one end to the other, but I'm pretty sure I know who this person is referring to. And I, I mean, I I've heard, I've heard this, but we can't substantiate it with anything other than a rumor i agree with so, you I can't yeah i agree with you rumor. we don't have anything <laughs> you know? but internet rumors so i'm gonna say no to that question because i heard in a facebook group that somebody asked her daughters if she was afraid of someone i think it was an investigator and they said oh yeah so and so that's never been confirmed or corroborated by anybody at all and it's strictly i've only seen that mm-hmm. myself in the rumor mill so i'm not even gonna acknowledge that i'm just gonna say no to that answer and we know how rumors go you know you you'd say one thing you know i'm going to the store and before it gets to the fifth person you're going to dallas to buy a new tire uh-huh. for your truck yeah i mean you know it's, just, it's bizarre it's i i guess people have selective hearing or they once they decide to tell someone else um, something gets added to it and we've all done it. I mean, every single person I think on this earth has done it. And it's not that you mean harm. It's just, that you don't remember exactly what they said. So you're like, Oh, and she was upset or, and maybe that's not even what the first person well, said. So yeah, we, we have and some no- of the rumors in the groups were people speculating and then it gets legs. You know what I mean? It gets legs. Yeah. So it's oh, like, okay, yeah. one person speculated. Yeah. yeah. One person speculated this yeah. two years ago, presented it as fact, and now everybody in the groups is talking about it and they're adding it to the facts list where it's like, no, 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 that's not a fact. That's not verifiable. Right. You know? Yeah. The only way I would be able to say I had first hand knowledge of that is if 
Um, you know, I, Brandon told me that himself, right. you know, and we don't have that. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So number five, I am sure that I heard that I heard MPD disclosed that, that, hang on, let me try this again. I am sure that I heard MPD disclosed that we're unable to find the creepy LinkedIn message. Um, yeah, that's true. They, they, they have not been able to, now, according to what we have been told, so we'll go with that. And we're talking about press conferences and, um, you know, data that we've received, um, what else have we received that we've, they have not been able to find the message. Let's say this. I, I think they found the message, but they couldn't figure out who, where it came from. That's what I think. That's what I read. Is that correct? My understanding, yes, is that they know it was through LinkedIn and they know it was a male um, profile. Now, of course, it could have been a man or a woman with a fake male profile, but the profile was a male's and it was someone that Missy and her friend did not know. The friend who told him, you know, police about this could not remember the name that was on the account, but she confirmed that neither her, neither she nor Missy knew the person. It was a stranger. And the contents of the messages or message, singular, we're not sure which, were creepy and strange. Creepy and strange are the only adjectives we have ever heard. Um, uh, that's the only description we've ever heard about the mysterious LinkedIn message. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to have to backtrack here for just a second because it just popped in my head and I want to share it while it's on my mind. Um, talking about the creepy message and the fact that it was basically from a male, how perfect would it be for a female to not only dress up to make themselves look bigger and dress like they were a man. So wear like something over their shoes to make their feet look bigger, you know, maybe stuff their clothing to make themselves look fatter, you know, uh, more mus more masculine. Um, also to send a message from a male profile and look, make it look like it's being sent from a male. I mean, I'm sorry. It no. just popped in my head. I had that's, to say that. That's, it that's not out of the question. That's clever. Absolutely. You know, that, that would be perfect. I mean, for somebody to basically commit a crime and be exactly like they are would be kind of weird. But, you know, that's just my thoughts. But anyway, uh, yeah, to answer that question, you, you were exactly right. They, in my, from what I understood, they found the message, but they could not figure out where it came from. They couldn't, you know, pinpoint the IP address or yes. whatever. And, and that's yeah, really odd, so. isn't it? But that's true. It is odd, but it kind of goes back to the right. rumor <laughs> that we, again, I'm sorry to throw that in, but it does go back to the rumor that in the very beginning that everybody's always said that there was, mm -hmm. there was a burner phone. And I guess, you know, those are, those are harder to trace. It, they can trace them, but they are harder to trace. And it's a possibility that they're, that they wouldn't be able to trace it. And so that's a possibility that that's why. So, all right. So number six is, will either of you ever disclose who you think may be responsible? Um, I know a name that has been bounced around everywhere online that have, that you have explicitly said you don't feel is involved in any way, which 
now that's the end of the sentence. Sorry, I was reading the wrong line. Anyway, um, okay, so no, I will never disclose who I think it is for a couple of reasons. Um, I honestly don't have one particular person in mind that I think did it. I mean, I, as you have already heard in this podcast, this episode, and I know I've done it on other episodes, I am not 100% on female or male. I do tend to lean more towards female um, for the most part. Um, there was even a time when I thought there was more than one person, and I'm not 100% sure that there isn't. So, uh, you know, I, I can't say who I think may be responsible because I wouldn't know who to say. I am that um, stumped by this. I don't have one person. I have people that I have, you know, thought, Hmm, you know, that that's, that's a possibility, but I wouldn't feel comfortable saying anything because I may change my mind tomorrow. So. (laughs) And my answer to that is I would not disclose it publicly because number one, I wouldn't want to mess up the case in case I'm right, you know, or if I'm wrong, I wouldn't place to announce who I think it is and I will discuss it with people offline or in private conversations because I have many times um but no I'm not going to say it on the podcast or anything like that for sure but I mean I feel like I've got a pretty good idea who it was and I think that MPD has a pretty good idea who it was but I can't prove it um they can't either apparently it's been four years so I, I just, I have a strong mm-hmm. inclination, but I, I, of course I don't, I can't say, I certainly know who did it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't suggest that. I mean, and, and I've heard and I've seen people have posted, you know, crazy stuff on the internet. I'm like, I just, I yeah. couldn't do that. <laughs> For many reasons. And, and, I mean, and why? I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you feel horrible? If you said that somebody did it and then it, it comes out that they didn't and you were over here making people skeptical of yeah. them or afraid of them or maybe. Even yeah. Why ruin someone's life and yeah. why slander them? I guess if it's written, it's actually libel. And why do that on the Internet of all places? It's just me. It's just mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it makes, makes, it makes it harder for the cops anyway. And we, we don't want to um, make it harder for them to do their job. We just want to keep her story in the limelight and in front and center so that eventually at some point, you know, like I said, it, it may not be because of us, but hopefully we help in keeping it, the story alive and helping to bring, you know, this killer to justice. How many questions total was there from our viewer or listener? Oh, so we answered them all. Okay. There was six. Okay. Yeah, we did them all. So uh, we apologize again about that. That was a, it was a, it was a bad uh, day for us uh, <laughs> with our connections. It was really bad. And it was so bad that I was like, we can't right. even publish it. It was so bad. So anyway, when we have these, these issues, we apologize. It's just sometimes, you know how it is. And everybody's, I'm sure everybody has these issues. Sometimes they have great signals. Sometimes they don't. And we both actually have the same surf, same service, but you know, we live in different areas and for different reasons, I guess it just cuts in and out. So we hope, that, you know, is we, if we can keep it, you know, good, then we will, if not. Yeah. We'll and also, you know, we've toyed with the idea of <laughs> switching over to using our laptops and microphones that might help. But for the time being, we're using our cell phones through the anchor app and so far so good. I know the, 
we don't have the number one best, you know, um, audio quality out there, but I think, you know, with what we have to work with, it's probably going okay, but we may switch over to our laptops and microphones at some point. Yeah, we're going to do that eventually. We just have to get it all. It's, there's a few issues yes. with the website. That's why we haven't done it. There's not a, there's not a place to invite someone. So we, we haven't researched that and figured out why, but it seems to be that yeah. way across the board. Sometimes you have an app on your phone and it'll have several features right. that won't be on the website. And since like we're co-hosting, we live about, so, yeah. I don't know what, 40, 50 miles apart. So we don't, we don't co-host in a studio in yeah. the same room. Now that would be awesome if we had the budget for that yeah. and the time for that. But this is a way for us as busy be moms great. to be able to, get on, you know, the app really fast and do our podcast from the comfort of our own homes on the iPhone. So we do apologize if that sounds a little rickety sometimes, but um, we're keeping an eye on it and seeing what we can do to help it. Um, did we have anything else we were going to cover on this episode? Yeah, definitely. yeah I, think I, we, think I think that's that everything we, we discussed. To my um, yeah, I think I think we did. So we're and we, we we love that she's sending these questions and we're asking other people to do the same. I know we discussed something today also that Tim had talked to us about and another uh, one of our listeners. So anytime you have anything that you think about that you want us to cover, please let us know, because there is this is one of those um, cases that is just, oh, my gosh, there's so many parts to this case and so many different things to look at and discuss and sometimes we get to the point to where we're like oh my gosh what do we talk about even though we know there's a lot so please let us know send us an email uh send us a message on instagram facebook whatever doesn't matter and let us know your ideas and your thoughts that you're thinking and we'll definitely read them on the air and, and are, are on our yeah, podcast and if anyone and, has any comments on what we discussed tonight if anyone has any more information on how dna works we're going to do some research but I really am curious to know, is there some way that a very minuscule amount of DNA that's considered, um, you know, not enough to get a read on the person? Would it be enough to tell the gender? You know, that type of stuff. If there's anyone out there who has information like that, that they could quickly share, we would really appreciate that as well. We're on Facebook. Now we're on Twitter, too. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as True Crime Broads. And we have an email address, which is truecrimebroads at yahoo.com. Absolutely. If you have any information about this case, please call 972-937-PAYS. I guess that's going to be all for today. And we will um, probably do another one here in the next few days, maybe a week or so. Um, and, you know, like I said, send in your information, awesome. your questions, thanks, and we will discuss it. And we thanks, everybody. Thanks. And we'll talk to you.